What tempts you to worry? Your bank account? A doctor's appointment? The threat of a terrorist attack? Or even the upcoming U.S. presidential election? How can you overcome anxiety today and every day? Find out next on Grace to You. said that anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all of the thoughts are drained. So here's the question. How do you stop even that first trickle of worry? How do you keep concerns about sickness, your income, or paying the bills from consuming your thoughts, robbing your joy, and curbing your passion for God? Is a life free from anxiety truly within your reach right now? Crucial questions. Keep them in mind as John MacArthur shows you from God's Word how to experience anxiety-free living. That's the title of his current study here on Grace to You. And now with today's lesson, here's John MacArthur. Let's return in our study to the 12th chapter of Luke. Luke chapter 12. And we are looking at verses 22 through 34. Under the title, Anxiety-Free Living, there is in uh, chapter 12 a very long discourse given by Jesus. It actually starts in chapter 12, verse 1, and runs all the way to chapter 13, verse 9. That is one event, one place, one discourse, with a couple of interruptions to answer some questions. But nonetheless, this is one long teaching time with the Lord Jesus. And here... In his teaching, in verses 22 to 34, the issue is, in the kingdom of God, we can have anxiety-free living. Our Lord told people they should not be anxious, they should not worry, and they should not be afraid. If you will notice, the emphasis of this passage comes in three particular commands. Verse 22, do not be anxious. Verse 29, do not keep worrying. Verse 32, do not be afraid. They could all be translated with the word stop. Stop being anxious. Stop worrying. Stop being afraid. Now, he is calling here for worry-free, anxiety-free, and fear-free living. He is saying that it is possible to rise above all the troubles of this life, to have what the Apostle Paul called the peace that passes understanding. That is the peace for which there is no human explanation. It calls for an end to anxiety and fear and worry and panic and all those things that can be so debilitating so disturbing and so depressing and distracting in life. There really are only two categories in which you can direct your worry, your fear, and your anxiety, either into the material side or the spiritual side, right? You're either going to be concerned about something physical, material, earthly, or you're going to be concerned about something spiritual, immaterial, and heavenly. Those are the only two categories. You are a physical being and a spiritual being. In that sense, you're two an inner man and an outer man. And worry can be attached to both. But in the case of one who belongs to the kingdom of God, worry in either sense is unnecessary. In uh, 
regard to our material needs, verse 30 says, your father knows that you need these things. In regard to our spiritual needs, verse 32 says, your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. He will give you whatever you need to sustain your life in this world, and he will give you all that you need to sustain your life in his kingdom. Worry, then, is unnecessary. Worry is a result, really, of, uh, of two things. It is a result, first of all, of ignorance and or unbelief. There are, I'm sure, people who worry uh, not because they don't believe what God has promised, but because they don't know what God has promised. And the uh, greatest way you could cheat a believer, greatest way you could cheat anybody, is to limit God or to teach them things about God that are not true, or to give them a diminished view of God. In fact, this is a form of idolatry. Any misrepresentation of God is an idol. And worshiping and giving homage to a misrepresented God is a form of idolatry. It is incumbent upon all who teach the Scriptures and all who possess the Scriptures, meaning both us and you as well, to come to a true understanding of God so that we worship Him, not just in spirit, that is, not just with our emotion and all of our faculties, mind and soul, as well as every physical part of us, but to worship Him in truth. It is critical that we understand who our God really is. And so it is possible to worry your way through your Christian life simply because you're ignorant. And that, unfortunately, is the legacy of many, many people, where ministries do not weigh heavily in on the nature of God, the character of God, the promises of God, and the purposes of God. There are people are cheated and very often don't understand the greatness of God, the glory of God, the commitment of God, the compassion of God, the power of God, the omniscience of God, the wisdom of God, and all the rest, in which we rest in the promises of God. There are many people, Christian people, who have no idea what their God is really like and the level of commitment he's made to them. And so they live in fear, fear of circumstances, fear of Satan, fear of failure, fear of you name it. So it is possible that your life is full of fear and anxiety and worry because of ignorance. That can be dispelled simply by reading the Psalms. If you think it's a long course, if you have to go to seminary to get to know God, you're wrong. Just start in Psalm 1. And 150 days later, finish Psalm 150, and you will have come to know your God. And, of course, all the rest can be filled in. But that's why we read the Psalms, because we come to worship God, and we need to know the God we worship. If you do know your God, and you worry anyway, this is not about ignorance. This is about distrust. This is a sin. To be needlessly ignorant is sinful, but to be willfully distrusting of the God who has revealed himself is a serious sin. So when you look at your life and you see anxieties and fears and worries, the question then is, am I ignorant of my God or do I just not trust him? So let's go back to some basic things, okay? In this passage, our Lord unfolds this whole issue of why we are not to worry and be anxious and be afraid, either in the material or the immaterial. The physical or the spiritual, the earthly or the heavenly realms. Number one, 
Worry is a failure to understand God's priority. Worry is a failure to understand God's priority. Verses 22 and 23, he said to his disciples, for this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. For life is more than food and the body than clothing. Now, here's the point here. God didn't create you just to survive. God didn't create you just to have you eat and wear clothes so that you could make it. God did not create you to fulfill some physical goal or objective or purpose or design. Your life is far more than eating. Your life is far more than clothing. God's purpose in giving you life, God's purpose in giving you a body is not material. It's not physical and it's not earthly. It is immaterial, spiritual and heavenly. We were made for his glory. We were made to serve his glory, to serve his purpose, to honor him, to bring attention to him, to proclaim the gospel, to live out Christ and the power of the spirit in the world. And as long as that's the divine priority, that's God's priority or purpose for us, he will sustain us to the end of his purpose. In fact, you uh, you can work hard and save. And the Bible says you should save and you and you, you should work hard and you, you should be a good steward and you should make good investments and all of that. But in the end, it wouldn't matter whether you did that or gave it all away as far as the divine priority is concerned, because whatever you wear and whatever you eat isn't the reason God put you here. There is a completely different reason you're here, and it's a spiritual one. So you could give it all up, and you're not going to heaven until God wants you to. And he will provide whatever it is that you need to get you to the place where it's your time. On the other hand, you could save a fortune. You could amass a huge estate. You could build bigger barns everywhere. And you're not going to live one day past when God determines that your ministry is over. That kind of thinking tends to make you rich toward God and to put your treasure in heaven rather than here. So worry, anxiety and fear fails to understand the divine priority that God has a purpose for your life and, and he's going to make sure you live to fulfill that purpose. Second, we said worry is a failure to understand God's provision. That is to say that everything you have comes from God. It may come through your work and through your savings and through your diligence and through your talents and your training and all of that. But in the end, it really is God's pledge to you that sustains you. And the point is made in verse 24. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Here's the point. How much more valuable you are than the birds? He feeds birds and birds have no spiritual value. Oh, they give God glory. They manifest his creative power and his uh, immense love of, of beauty and design. But they have no spiritual value. They hatch and fly around a little while and disappear. And yet God feeds them. They can't sow, they can't reap, they can't store. You are so much more valuable than they are. And if God has a priority for your life, then he'll make the provision to make sure that the priority is met. 
He'll sustain you to the point where you accomplish his purpose. So worrying about life's necessities is a failure to understand God's priority for you and God's provision to make sure that priority is completed. And that leads to the third point, which I just introduced last time. Worry is a failure to understand God's privilege. Worry is a failure to understand God's privilege. Verse 25, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? If then, verse 26, you cannot do even a very little thing, why are you anxious about other matters? What is this about? This is about the idea that somehow you control the length of your life. Okay? Which of you, by being anxious, is going to add a single cubit to his lifespan? Now, you have to see that cubit is used here sort of metaphorically or analogically. A cubit is a measurement from the elbow to the end of the fingers, about 18 inches. They use this as a unit, a unit of measure. One cubit would be a, a unit of measure in ancient times. And so... Um, it's not the idea of adding to your physical stature. I mean, nobody particularly wants to go from 5'10 to 7'6. And if you did, it wouldn't be a small thing, verse 26, if you cannot even do a very little thing. That wouldn't be a little thing. That would be a huge thing. That's not what it's about. It's using a cubit metaphorically or analogically. You can't add a unit to your life. You can't add to the years of your life that God has determined for you. You can't do it. So if you can't do it, if you can't add a single unit to your life, if you can't even do that very little thing by all your worry and fear, then what are you doing worrying and being anxious about all these matters like your body and your clothing and your food? People uh, in our world today are consumed with this idea of health. We all get sold on this. It's not how long a person lives, but how they live, right? But we have literally made a God out of health and longevity in our sterile modern world where we've managed to conquer bacteria and virus and things like that, where we've created a sort of an antiseptic, antibiotic environment. Uh, we're very concerned about being able to prolong life and everything we eat, you know, has this graph of percentages and amounts of all these things. You decode every thing you eat, you know, you you, you got to get the code on what you're eating so you can check out all these ingredients and who cares whether you're, you add uh, life to your to your predetermined plan by God. You can't do that. You're not going to be able to do that. This is just the sign of the time it's infiltrated the evangelical world. This generation's engaged in health mania. It's not wrong to be disciplined. It's not wrong to be moderate. It's not wrong to avoid the sin of gluttony. It's not wrong to be wise. It's wrong to be foolish about what you eat. You want to take care of yourself. God created a wonderful, wonderful uh, food world for us so that we can make good choices. And I'm not going to add to my life, but I would like to live my life with a measure of strength so that I can serve the Lord the way he should be served. And I don't want to fall into sin by being gluttonous and overindulging and lacking discipline. But I'm not going to add one day to my life. The optimum of my life has been determined by God. And with certain reasonableness, I just want to maintain my strength. But I'm not going to add to my life. Makes me want to eat a big plate of cheese fries. <laughs> 
I mean, you get the point. Worry doesn't help. If you worry about how long you're going to live and you spend all your money on that and you waste all your money, really waste all your money being unable to add anything to your life, that's not good stewardship. And I'm not talking about being healthy. You need to be healthy. You need to beat your body into subjection. You need to be reasonable in how you conduct your life and how you use the resources that God gives you and not be dissipated and gluttonous and all of that kind of stuff that steals your energy and robs you of the strength that the Lord desires to use. But you're not going to do anything to add to your life. In fact, if you worry about it, you're going to contribute to your Disability. You know, worry, anxiety, fear affects the heart, the circulation, nervous system, the glands, everything else. We are here's the point. We are not the determiners of the span of our lives. This is divine privilege. So you don't want to be ignorant of God's privilege. It is his privilege to determine where we're born, to whom we're born, when we're born and how long we're here. God has given us life. He will sustain that life until our service is done. Worry makes no contribution. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If we live obediently to his word, he will sustain our life to the end. You can't lengthen it beyond the purposes of God. So verse 26 says, if you cannot do even a very little thing, like add a unit to your life, why are you worrying about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear? This is a failure to understand God's priority. And that is that your life matters spiritually and achieve a spiritual end. God's provision that he will sustain that life to fulfill that end and God's privilege. It is God's to determine when we live and when we die and how we fit into the redemptive scheme for the advancement of his glory and his kingdom. Number four, worry is a failure to understand divine preference. It's a failure to understand divine preference. I know we live in a society that uh, teaches evolution and, you know, we're just supposed to be the latest form of an ape. We're just the last monkey, at least the newest monkey at this particular point in the evolutionary process. And uh, we're no different than anything else. We're just animals and these environmentalists and these lovers of animals get all caught up in this. But look, we're Christians and uh, you can look at the at the world of God's creation and you will see a massive gap between everything he created and man created in his image. And we bear the divine preference. Look at verse 27. Here's an illustration. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory didn't clothe himself like one of these. If God so arrays the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, O men of little faith? Now we get to the sin part here. Our Lord turns from the issue of food to the issue of clothing here. In the physical world, those are the two things people are concerned about. They're they're concerned about nourishing their body and protecting it. And he makes a comparison that reveals his preference for people. Especially, of course, his own children. And he says, consider the lilies. The the word lilies is not something to be understood in a technical sense. Because in verse 28, he he says, God so arrays the grass. Lilies and grass are basically synonyms. The word lilies is broad enough. The word grass is definitive enough to let us know that he's talking about the wild grasses that grew all through the Middle East and the land of Israel that flowered in various ways. In um, 1 Peter 1.24, 
Uh, Peter, uh, quoting uh, from uh, Isaiah, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. So this is just Jesus saying, and he may have pointed as he may have to the birds. I mean, consider the look at the wildflowers growing all over uh, at the end of these stems of grass. There were so many different kinds of them in Israel. Uh, there, were, You see uh, terms... Uh, in, in the, the land of Israel, even in ancient times like iris and nasturtium and gladioli, uh, those are more modern terms, Latin derivative terms, to describe various kinds of flowering plants. Uh, they even had certain kinds of daisies and, and poppies, such as we have in California, and cap lilies. It's just the general grasses that flower. Uh, look at them, how they grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. They don't labor over their clothes. They don't labor over their beauty. And yet, if you take a petal off of a flower, uh, even a wild flower, and, and you look under a microscope at its intricate texture, color, design, form, it's staggering. You can take the most beautifully manufactured garment out of wool or, or out of uh, cotton or out of some synthetic and look at it under a microscope and it looks rough. And you look at a flower petal and there's a refinement there that only God can make. And so he says, look, they don't work to get their clothing. I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory didn't clothe himself like one of these. Now, the best dressed man in the history of Israel was Solomon. If you read 1 Kings 10 and 2 Chronicles 9, you read about the lavish attire, the lavish life of Solomon. And as the best dressed man, he had the finest garments. But even Solomon in all his glory didn't wear things like the petal of a flower. And you know, you, if you love flowers, and uh, Patricia keeps such a beautiful garden at our house, we, uh, we love those flowers. I never walk through our garden in the front or the back or the side without thinking about the amazing creativity of God and His obvious love for beauty. Because they're here and they're gone. They live and they die. And they, they serve no spiritual purpose other than to give this little brief testimony to a God of beauty and a God of order and a God of design and a God of infinite variety. And the point is this, if God, verse 28, so arrays the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, O men of little faith? Come on, do you understand God's preference? This is the issue, folks. Fear, worry, anxiety is about a lack of faith. A lack of faith. And Jesus used this a lot. Matthew 6.30, Matthew 8.26, Matthew 14.31, Matthew 16.8. Now, uh, he's not saying these people didn't have any faith. He called them men of what? Little faith. They, they're the ones who believe in him. He's directing this, it says in verse 22, to his disciples, those who are true believers and those who are becoming true believers. And he, he says, it's possible for you, he says, to, to worry and fear and be anxious. But understand this, if that is the case, you have a problem with trusting me. And that's a serious problem because, would you agree with this? He's worthy of our trust, right? You can trust him.
listening to John MacArthur, pastor, president of the Master's College and Seminary, and featured teacher here on Grace to You. His current study, Anxiety-Free Living, showing you why God is worthy of your trust and that he promises to meet all your needs when you put your faith in him. Now, with today's theme in mind, John, would you say that worry is more avoidable than most people realize? Yeah, I think worry is uh, avoidable. I, I really do. It's commanded to be avoided, you know, be anxious for nothing. And, and I think what leads to the release of worry is, first of all, to understand the nature of God. Everything goes back to God, who He is, and then the nature of salvation, what He endeavors to do in our lives. Then understanding the nature of trials. Do we really understand that when trials come, God sends them, God permits them for our good and His glory, and that the end of all these things is always good because that brings Him glory and and brings us good? And then there are a whole lot of practical pathways away from anxiety laid out in the Scripture. And by the way, all of this is contained in a book called Anxious for Nothing. That's right. 220-page book. And here's the good news. We'd love to send you one. You don't need to live with anxiety if you're a Christian. Here's the path through it to joy and peace. And here's the best news of all. The book's free for all those who've never contacted this ministry before. Write, fax, email, phone... Let us know you would like a copy of Anxious for Nothing, free of charge, if you've never contacted us before. This offer is good for those of you in the U.S. and Canada as well. You know, we regularly hear from listeners who need help in their day-to-day battle against fear. Anxious for Nothing is the resource we recommend, so if you live in the U.S. or Canada and you've never contacted us before, make sure you request your free copy of Anxious for Nothing. If you live outside the U.S. or Canada, Anxious for Nothing is reasonably priced. Order a copy from your local Grace to You office. Our mailing address is Grace to You, Post Office Box 4000, Panorama City, California, 91412. Or email us, that address is letters at gty.org. You can also call our toll-free number 1-800-55-GRACE. Again, Anxious for Nothing is free if you've never contacted Grace to you before today. If you have written or called us, though, in the past, Anxious for Nothing is available for $10.50. Shipping is free. Purchase your copy at the website gty.org or call toll-free 1-800-55-GRACE. You can mail a check or money order for $10.50 to Box 4000, Panorama City, California, 91412. Also, don't forget John's current radio study, What You Heard Today, and much more, Anxious Free Living, a series you can lean on and pass on to friends and family members who are plagued by worry and fear. Anxious Free Living comes on two CDs or two MP3s. You pay $12 for the CDs or $6 for the MP3s. Order the CDs by phone at 800-55-GRACE or go online to order either MP3s or CD at gty.org. Now for John MacArthur and our producer, Steve Ostini, thanks for tuning in today. Remember, you can watch Grace to You on television Sundays on DirecTV Channel 378, also online at gty.org. And then join us here tomorrow for another half hour of Unleashing God's Truth, one verse at a time, on Grace to You. Even if you understand it's pointless to worry, that doesn't mean you won't be tempted to worry. Learn how to master the art of anxiety-free living on tomorrow's Grace to You.